Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. In this podcast, we want to highlight the real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but people like us talking about their day-to-day life. Basically, we want to give a voice to a variety of autistic people. I'm Aileen Lam, an autistic author and photographer, and I co-host this podcast with Andrew Camro. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Eileen. I'm Andrew, an autistic entrepreneur and founder of the Neurodiversity Index. Today, our guest is Daniel. He's an umpire, referee, drummer, bass guitarist. He has been officiating for eight years in multiple sports. He has also been coaching bowling for 12 years. He's the first special needs official in his town. He volunteers his time with Autism Speaks as the logistics chair for the Staten Island Walk. He's scheduled to officiate the Special Olympics World Games in Berlin, Germany this year as an athlete official for football. He's also one of two U.S. soccer officials going. Welcome, Dan. Uh, Thanks for coming. Uh, So one thing that we like to ask all of our guests is, uh, how do they identify? And we don't mean the usual uh, pronouns, although you feel free to share those, but we mean uh, autistic person, person with autism on the spectrum. Do you have a preference or none at all? You know, the funny thing is, other than the pronoun preference of he, him, I'd go with person with autism. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Speaking of autism, that's why you're here. Uh, When were you diagnosed with autism? Uh, Were you a child? Do you remember anything about the process? I do do indeed. I do indeed. Age 2.5. How I got the diagnosis? Mm-hmm. Well, it all came through a febrile seizure, too. Weird, isn't it? <laughs> How did the seizure lead to an autism diagnosis? Honestly, that I it was it was a weird it was a weird uh, collision because I remember riding in the ambulance from my grandmother's house. This was in Brooklyn, New York. At the time, my grandmother lived in Trump Village. And um, I remember talking about all the ambulance stuff. And I always loved vehicles and transportation. So once the febrile seizure happened, we went to see my doctor, Dr. Mevs at the time, and uh, was diagnosed autistic. Asperger's in this case, the former terminology. So when did you hear about it? Because you were very young. So when did your parents or grandparents, your caregivers tell you about your diagnosis? Do you remember? I would say age four. Wow. Did you understand at that time? Well, I kind of knew some of the things that I was doing, like the train lineups, because I always had a fascinated in Thomas and Friends uh, when I was younger. But um, I understood it somewhat, but not enough to know. Years later, I'm still learning the situation, the the diagnosis, and uh, it just it just makes me more unique than I thought. That's definitely true. And one other thing uh, that I think is unique, although we, we've had a few, is uh, that you, you're you very into sports. How did you get into sports? 
So my first sport was actually baseball and soccer. And that was through the JCC program. Years later, I, I got into bowling. Uh, still can't bowl perfect. I don't, I, I, I question myself on that sometimes. I still can't shoot a 300, even if I tried. <laughs> but, uh, what's be your honest, uh, best score with bowling? 279. 300 is a, per- is, is a perfect score, right? Perfect score, indeed. But my high series out of three games, which a normal regulation is in league is a or tournament play is a three game series, is a seven hundred and nine series. That includes the two seventy nine. Elian, do you play bowling? I think you'd be funny to go bowling with. I I feel like I'm happy when I get over a hundred. So like that seems insane two seventy nine, but I'm really bad at it. So there's that too. Maybe I should ask. Well, you're. Yeah, well, you're in luck. You're looking at a, uh, you're talking right. to a, a bowling coach. I've been teaching kids how to bowl for 12 years. Ooh. Do you have I can work on it with you. Well, how about uh, some tips that you can give people uh, through Zoom? Because, you know. Yeah, that's no problem. So bowling is pretty much shaking hands with someone. You want your thumb up. Shaking hands like you're shaking hands with someone and you're you're pretty much shaking hands with someone with an arm straight. Yes. Bingo. One, two, three, release. One, two, three, release. Get it? Get the idea? And you're walking in a straight line, but with four, you're walking up to the foul line, four steps. You could also do a five-step approach if you feel like running it up, but the normal preferred uh, um, the normal preferred approach is a four-step approach. One, two, three, four, handshake, release. Correct. Well, you want to do it at the same time, too. Oh. So one, two, three. On the fourth step, you release the ball. See, coordination. Like, like that's one Coordination thing. is terrible at. So, um, I'm terrible, too. <laughs> don't worry about it. We'll work on it. That's funny. So what other sports do you like? You said soccer. That I'm pretty good at. Or maybe it's just because I really like it and I practice so much throughout my childhood in France. But um, are you good at soccer? Do you play in a league? or? So to answer that, I used to play goalkeeper. I really stood on my head. Um, but I don't play anymore. Standing on your head is like the ge- the goalie is on fire making all these re- really huge saves and everything it, it's a hockey term but it's also can be used in soccer too or football in this case um but i also referee as well nice so that's a lot of running right <laughs> yes yes it is uh, i you know that's the thing i've been i with soccer I'm actually going to the Special Olympics World Games in Berlin, Germany this year. That's what we heard. Tell us about that. That's really impressive. So last year, I did the USA Games in Disney for softball up on and the Unified Cup in Detroit, Michigan. I got contacted recently in March after I filled out an application 
as an athlete official, because I also do Special Olympics bowling. Um, and I'll be attending the World Games in Berlin as an athlete official officiating football seven aside. This is my first time going overseas by myself, too. So my mom's really nervous for me, but yes. But I travel around the country for officiating soccer. And let me just say that even though I've done all the ECNLs, the Elite Club National Leagues and the Development Academy and the Girls Academy, Soccer Leagues and all that, all those tournaments I've done, the World Games is my biggest assignment yet and I'm not going to let the U.S. down. I'm one of two U U.S. athlete officials representing U.S. soccer going. That's incredible. And uh, for the people like me who don't know anything about sports, what's the difference between football and football seven aside? So that's football. Football is 11 v 11. The 11 players on each side. Football seven aside is seven players on each side Got on it. the field. on the edge. Wow. I had never is, heard of it. Is bowling an Olympic sport? So to answer that question, <laughs> try to, but no one takes it seriously. But it is considered under the U.S. Olympic Committee umbrella. Okay. Which in this case, with coaching, I'm a registered volunteer, like I mentioned, with the United States Bowling Congress. And I had to go through Safe Sport and to get my coaching's license my badge in this case, um, through the USBC and the US Olympic Committee. Okay. So, so yeah. So sports has lots of rules and being, you know, a referee, you know, you have to follow lots of rules and, and autism is very much related to having lots of rules. Um, can you, do you think it makes your job harder or easier um, being a referee? You know what? To be honest with you, it makes it... it, it I'm going to say in the middle. Okay. I, I'll tell you why. Not... First off, we all know that autism, you can't really tell through... Many people can't really tell the difference. And... I, whenever I go up to a coach or a player or a parent and say, I'm a referee with a disability, in this case, autism, uh, they're like, oh, we don't even notice it, but you're that good. Mm -hmm. I'm like, thank you. And I'm like, um, you know what? I get that all the time. And, you know, it's just... It's not disheartening, but it's positive to see that people are recognizing it after the fact, once the effect, I tell them. And then I see them again, and like, and then next, you know, if I, there's like a post, like I had a, U.S. Soccer did a, um, a post on Top Soccer Tuesday based about me being a referee with, a dis with autism. And they're like, oh, wait, we remember him. He was at the that so-and-so tournament. In this case, it was the U.S. Soccer National League Pro in Disney. He's a good referee. 
and he said he's a really good role model for those on the spectrum with as an official i i see that comment it makes the whole job easier than it did from the first place so like i said it's in the middle do you get angry when people don't follow the rules <laughs> to answer the question no because you have to stay professional at all costs as an official has anyone ever gotten angry at you yes how was that well there was one scenario and i there was one scenario where i had this i i i didn't lose control of the match and i know i did not but this was this one game where i had to dismiss eject the coach or dismiss in this case by the technological the te technical terms by uh, a red card send-off because now fifa allows referees to issue red cards to coaches not just players and official uh, players and uh substitutes you can also red card technical area staff including coaches head coaches, managers, whatever the case may be, depending on the league. And I had this one ejection where the coach actually touched me. <laughs> it led to a red card. He was, because what happened was he claimed that it was the ball touched one of his players in the head, which the new rules, the new uh, heading rule protocol in this case is if it's an in unintentional header it's a drop ball well that's what happened except he was claiming it was an intentional header so then he kept getting upset and upset i was going to give him the yell but as soon as the red as soon as the a, a few expletives came out and i'm not going to repeat them because it would look bad i showed i pulled out the red card and took his pass and what and, is a what is a red card for people who don't red, know a red card is uh you're done it's the last you don't want it you don't want a red card for, first off because you want to stay in the match um a red card means ejection they're done for the game and if say there's only one coach on the bench and in this case this was happening the match is officially terminated at the time of the stoppage in this case it was halftime so in this case he locked out on the draw darn did you feel scared when the coach started touching you oh yeah was he scary looking like really strong i wouldn't say scary looking but i'd say more like i was just i i i just felt uncomfortable yeah you know i think sometimes it, it's not even that people like look scary it's more like if they're angry and not controlling their emotions and feelings it's like even scarier I mean, than someone who's like very muscular and big and strong, of course right of yeah. course and you know what that'll happen from time to time especially when you have a new like say a 13 year old ref which by the way in u.s soccer you're allowed to start refereeing at 13 years old wow. um yeah and a, a newbie ref at 13 and you deal with a situation like that, it's scary for them. 
that's how bad this that's how bad the shortage of referees is because of the behavior of coaches and players and spectators so why do you do what you do i do it for the kids i don't do it for the money i honestly the money's good no question but i'd rather be someone there that can keep the kids playing that can have the kids trust me and be that father-like figure that i'm not yet but <laughs> but um for the kids so they know they're okay in a safe position you know i just i've been around kids all my life summer camp counselor uh bowling coach of course umpire for baseball and softball um soccer referee five football referee you know i i've been around kids all my life and you know what to be honest with you i with going back to the bowling coach in this case i've been volunteering at my local bowling center rabs country lanes for 12 years i'm like that person that go-to person i want the players on the pitch or on the on the diamond to feel they have someone to go to when there's a bad situation and i can solve it how are you gonna handle your international travel though have you thought about it do you have anxiety have you done anything actually share? yeah huh, that's a good question have you got yeah, your passport yeah. yet i did work on my passport so it's the first time and um they haven't planned the airfare yet but it's working on currently by special olympics and You know, I travel, like I mentioned, I travel all over the country. I can treat this like I'm traveling to another tournament. Easier said than done. But that's a good way to look at it. It makes a lot of sense. Very similar. Of course. And, you know, that's the thing. If you've done something before and you're doing something now, treat it like you're doing it in it again. That's good advice. Yeah, not bad. How about music? Uh, you say you're a drummer. Yes, indeed. You have a lot of uh, talents, I guess. <laughs> you play yeah, so I, I play drums. I'm a music student currently. But one of my favorite things to do every year since, since the COVID pandemic, when I first found out about it, I participate in a breast cancer drumathon. Hmm. What's that? So, Drumathon, and shout out to my friend April Samuels, who's the founder of Breast Cancer Can Stick It, is she's a professional drummer, diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer a while back. And Drumathon is a fundraiser where you raise, say, the minimum $250, and then you get to play on the stage and do a drum solo in front of everybody on the stage. And also, the best part is they also have some celebrity rock, uh, rock drummers there uh, every, year, every year I go to. And it's a good time. Uh, it's a really good time. And to be honest with you, I love going because I... The same way I did 
there was, I mean, the kid, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm being me in this case when I, I get on the kit. You know, uh, Autism Speaks uh, every year, well, not for the past few years because of the pandemic, but we have that big concert in LA called Light of the Blues. And uh, this year it's actually on Saturday. Well, this episode is gonna air after the concert, but uh, Steven Stills is gonna be there, uh, Willie Nelson, uh, it's gonna be uh, Neil Young, pretty big and you know. You're gonna be there, right Eileen? I'm gonna be there, like my guitar and stuff. No. Hey, say guitar again. Say, say it again. Guitar. <laughs> but, guitar. Guitar. Like guitar. No, but I'm going to be there and I'm excited. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I think it's awesome. But uh, I know you do some uh, things with Autism Speaks too. Um, so that can you talk nice. about that? So I'm the logistics chair for the Stand Out Autism Walk for Autism Speaks. And one of my main, and I'm the only committee member on, on the spectrum for the Staten Island Organizing Committee. Oh. And I figured I'd join up, set the example, see if others can join us too. I just want to be that outlying voice of reason so many others can find the right ways to get involved. So what do you do? What advice would you give to others looking to get involved? Just do it. You'll never know. You miss. I think you Nike miss came up with that one. I don't know if you have a <laughs> copyright. Well, I'm going to go with a Wayne Gretzky uh, reference. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I love that. That's such a good one. Well, it's it's so perfect. I know it's not yours, but it's like great answer. Like I I want to remember that uh, quote because it's like very inspiring. You know, it makes me want to do things. It's like okay, you're scared to do this, but like do it. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Exactly. I'm and you know, bad things, but yeah. Yeah. No, of course. And you know, that's the thing. Every time I step onto the field or step on. Uh, step onto the stage it's like all right daniel how are we gonna get through this how are we gonna get through this and next you know you get through this it's, it, it's just simple just do it you, if you don't do it you'll regret it okay ah okay so uh where can we find you i know you mentioned you have an instagram um any other social media well i do have a facebook page and I do have um, a Facebook page called Daniel's World, where I post about all my adventures and my podcast interviews that I do as well. I forgot to mention I'm a podcaster too. So, but uh, um, but I also have an Instagram called Daniel Umps and Drums, which I will send you the link to uh, send you, send you the link to after, and um. I don't have Twitter. I don't know why. I should, but I should. No, you Twitter. shouldn't. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't. If you no, don't have Twitter. You're good. <laughs> don't get Twitter. <laughs> Unless you want to get you like, know what, in all sense, I'm terrible. I'm terrible at many words. So in this case, it makes more sense not to have Twitter. <laughs> you're all good. Don't don't go for it. 
I mean, I guess you miss uh, 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> I'm going to exclude Twitter from that quote, okay? <laughs> you got it. Um, anyway, I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. So first, Firework? what is, who, who is your favorite uh, baseball player? You know, the funny thing you mentioned about that, and I don't know if Andrew saw the video, I did get to meet David Wright in a Zoom video a while back in 2020. I that that was sponsored by that was brought put together by Wilson Sporting Goods and uh, Autism Speaks New York and Autism Speaks. So David Wright, I am a huge Mets fan. So awesome. Oh, my apologies. I know. <laughs> hey, you know what? The Yankees are. John Carl Stanton just hit the DL. I think. The IL. I like the Jets, so that's that's just as bad, if not worse. So uh, for, that's fair. I'm a Giants fan, yeah. so but there is something I do want to tell you this, Andrew. Yes. I did work in Special Olympics um snowball at MetLife Stadium. So I have gotten to touch MetLife Stadium turf. Very cool. It's a flag football tournament every year. Very, very cool. Okay, next question. Who's your favorite uh, autism representation in a movie? Like your favorite character in a movie or TV show or book even? I'll give you a good one, actually. In fact, it, it has the word good in it. The good doctor. Oh, you like that one? Yeah. You it, my parents watch it. I watch it sometimes. You know, it, it's like when I get a chance to, because I work busy, busy, busy. But I do get to... I do get to watch it from time to time. Eileen, do you watch it? I've watched a couple episodes and I was like, okay, it's a little bit like autism as a superpower type of thing. And, you know, it's just, it's hard for me because, you know, my oldest son is like nonverbal, like he's, he has very high needs. And I feel like all the movies and TV shows, like they show the people who have like a gift and it's just... It's not that it's a bad TV show. I just, I would love to see like more representation of, you know, the other side of the spectrum, if I can say. No, it, like. of course. You should sign Charlie up for Hollywood. Um, but no, so I, my wife, Jessica, tells me that with The Good Doctor, that like the relationship is very relatable. And I'm like, wait, what part? And she's just like, all of it. And I think, <laughs> and I think when we watch it, I think she's just like, ah, oh, and that's, that's something my husband would do. So, I gotcha. Totally understandable. What's your favorite animal? A dog. What kind of dog? Ooh, good one. Well, currently I have an English Springer Spaniel that acts very stinky a lot because silly <laughs> behavior. That's besides the point. Uh, yeah, English Springer Spaniel, but I need to tell a certain stinky doggy to stop uh, being so stinky with behavior. He He's a little bit silly. What's his name? Hamilton. Oh, do you like uh, Formula One? So to be it, to give you a little feedback on uh, historical feedback on how we got the name Hamilton. My sister named him that because my sister's a huge Hamilton freak. Like the Formula One driver? The musical. Oh. 
Okay, I was unsure. The Ham- Hamilton the Musical. You know, based on U.S. history, it's a musical uh, created by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Have you seen it? No, but I do have a friend of mine that subbed drums on it once. Very cool. Eileen, have you seen it? Nope. Obviously. You haven't seen anything, so... You haven't, I've seen so. Harry Potter, and I've read them. Um, so... What's your favorite historical moment in sports? And like, it can be any sport, like something that just like, you know, made you cry. Nice, big, open-ended question for you. Oh, I love good, big, open questions. And you know what? You're hitting me in a good spot here. Oh, to be honest with you, actually, there's one good moment and it was, actually, I got two of them. Actually, I got two. It's It's Mets related. Which was the Andy Chavez catch on that turned into a double play back in 2006 in the playoffs against the St. Louis Cardinals game seven. And then there's the other one, 2008. Jose Reyes, solo home run that led to a team cycle of home runs back in 2008 against the Phillies. And get, and get this, uh, Andrew, the broadcasters for the game one of the analysts decided to pay pay the SNY uh, from the Comcast Sports Philly or in this case now NBC Sports Philadelphia decided to pay a visit to the Mets SNY booth and Keith Hernandez went over to the Phillies booth to talk a little baseball here and there and I got the see Jose Reyes Homer while they were talking about it. That's really cool. You know, in all seriousness, I don't think, it, to be honest, I I, I kind of watch a lot of broadcasts a lot because I try to get better at the rules every day. And I love listening to announcers, eat uh, to the uh, people in the broadcast booth, try to try to talk with each other, you know. I mean, everybody in Major League Baseball are broadcasts are really good friends. So that the last time a, a broadcast swap happened was back in two thousand eight. Andrew's going to ask you the last question now. Are you All righty then. So is glow in the dark a color, a property, both or neither? Ooh, glow in the dark. So, hmm, I can think about this. Wow, good Same. one, good one. Um, I'm gonna say it's a little bit of both. Glow in the dark could be a color, but it also could be a property because. Uh, the color can be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? If we're talking property financial-wise in a color coloring term, Crayola can market on that easily, if you think about it. It's good reasoning. We like it. We just have a little debate, so we like to ask. <laughs> on the show. I mean, so. his reason is really good. I got, I mean, give that yeah. to him, Andrew. That was pretty impressive. I've seen the glow-in-the-dark color by Crayola. And to be honest with you, 
I'm surprised they haven't marked. They haven't uh, trademarked it yet as a Maybe property. They can. Maybe they can. Well, now that, that you said that, because I'm sure they're listening to us right now. So I hope so. I hope well, the, so. Uh, well, Steamboat Mickey becomes public domain uh, very soon. That's why they were able to make the horror movie Winnie the Pooh, because it's been 75 years. So, Ooh, oh, yeah, like there's the like a, there's like a blood and honey horror Winnie the Pooh that's out and it's allowed to be out because it's been I know I like trademark law a lot. So there is like a Winnie the Pooh horror movie. Blood and Honey. Yeah. And it's allowed to come out because uh, the public, because the copyright on Winnie the Pooh uh, expired. Yep. So So, nobody's going to confuse a horror slasher Winnie the Pooh with the other Winnie the Pooh. So, um, so it was able to come out. So steamboat mickey like the original mickey mouse like that specific mickey mouse is going to be next so maybe we'll have like a horror um slasher mickey mouse film maybe or disney could reinvent the wheel so if you you think about it disney could also um what disney could turn that into a horror movie either way too i don't think disney's gonna do that but it's worth a shot (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It was great. It was a bit different from what we usually talk about. So that was a uh, that was awesome. I feel like uh, next time I go bowling, I'll have to report back uh, to tell you if the yeah handshake is working out. It probably won't, but uh, you know, practice makes. Yeah. Me- it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt to practice because in all seriousness, there's always a chance. I mean. You could always go for lessons too, if necessary. It's worth it. Yeah, yeah. If you- yeah, you got plenty of free time, Eileen. I think you should go for it. 